Brilliant. Thanks so much, uh, Matt. Thanks so much, Ben. Uh, great to, uh, privilege to share with you guys tonight. And uh, we're in a little series at the moment that we've been doing actually in the morning and at night also in Jeremiah. And so tonight we're going to continue in that series. Uh, now, as I was thinking about this uh, sermon, as I was thinking about this series, I was reminded uh, back when I think it was like grade 10 and uh, I became, some of you may be familiar with my story, I'm not going to go into that, but I became a Christian at about 18 and a half. And so uh, sort of pre-Christian, I remember at grade 10, I was pretty uh, keen on this particular girl and I just kind of thought this was, this was it, this is like the dream girl, you know, and, um, and, and we dated for a little bit and my whole life, not that my life, you know, all I did really was played sport, did a bit of school, actually I didn't do much of school, I attended school sometimes and, um, and, and I had this girlfriend and, and so that was pretty much most of my life really. And, uh, but then after a little while, we actually sort of broke up and I remember my whole world fell apart. You know what I mean? Because uh, it was like my everything. Uh, this relationship was my everything. And I thought, you know, like this was, this was my life. And, and it's funny because back then that sort of is your whole life. Oh, not to be critical, if you are in grade 10, your, your life's much more than that. Uh, but for my life, that's pretty much uh, all there was to my life. And so when we broke up, I just thought, oh my gosh, this is it. And, and you know, and you know how you know, people would come by and say, look, don't worry, there's plenty more fish in the sea. And I just think that's so unhelpful. Like, I don't care about other fish. I want that fish, you know, and, and and, um, and so uh, uh, I just thought, you know, this is it. And it's a funny thing because, you know, six months goes by and so, like, oh, I was, you know, I'm fine. I'm still living and there's more to life than just this relationship. And, and, uh, and then, um, you know, I got out of school and then I became a Christian. And then I met another girl and we got married and we got three kids now. And, and you know, I look back now and it's like the rest is history, you know, but at the time, at the time I just thought, oh my gosh, this is everything. Like, how am I gonna get through this? How am I gonna overcome this? It was just like so big. And I wonder if there's ever been circumstances in your life that you just felt like, you know, it's pretty big for you. And, and, and it, there's some circumstances, some tough situations you're going through and you think, how could that ever turn around? Or how could I actually push beyond that? How could I overcome this? It just seems like it's way too big. But what I love, and I discovered this when I became a Christian, <clears throat> is what I love is that God is a redeeming God. And even when there's circumstances and situations in life that, that, that happen, or even when you're faced with some things that you just think, there's no way this could turn around. There's no way this could be redeemed. God can do it. He can, because the Word tells me that nothing is impossible for Him. And, and this, that's exciting. This is, this is really hope-filled. You should be encouraged by this. This is who God is, His character. It, it's extraordinary. Just this um, past week, I wasn't sure if I, I should share it because I think it's online, but I think it'll be fine. Um, and so I, uh, just this past week, I, I was speaking at a school and I've never done this before. And I felt, I still feel a little bit bad. Uh, but I was, I was presenting uh, to a grade in a, in a local high school. And as I was presenting, there was just a couple of few boys down sort of to my right. They were just playing up a bit and just talking and kind of laughing. And I was, I was presenting, I've never done this. But it just started to, as I went on and on and on, it just started to irk me a little bit inside. And I just kind of got jack of it. And I feel bad, I'm repenting now. But I, um, I said to one of these boys, I just stopped. And I said, mate, I don't mean to pick you out, Christy, but I just said, mate, mate, stand up and go to the other side of the room. And, uh, and it just stopped. And everyone was like kind of really this awkward moment. He goes, oh, uh, like, what, you want me to get up? Like, are you serious? And I go, yes, get up right now and walk across the other side of the room. And I'm like, I'm not a teacher. Like, I've got no teaching background, you know, like, so I don't know where it came from, but immediately as soon as I said it, and then he's like, oh, F, you know, like, you know, like all this sort of stuff. And he got up and he went to the other side of the room. And immediately though, I felt bad. I was like, oh, I shouldn't have done that. Why'd I do that? I just felt this tension. And he went sort of to the back of the room and then a teacher kind of came along, got beside him. And then I think they just went outside, but I felt really bad. And, and then I, I played a little video thing and the whole time I just felt this feeling in me like, oh, I wish I didn't do that in hindsight. Oh, would I do that? It's just dumb. And I thought, oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna apologize to this guy, you know? And so I finished and all that and, and I grabbed my stuff and he still wasn't back in the classroom. So I went outside and I went to look for him and, and I found him. 
and I just went straight up and said, oh, mate, I'm so sorry. Like, I shouldn't have done that. And, and uh, he was just like, looked at me like, oh, I don't care. Like, he was probably stoked. He got out of class, you know. And uh, he's like, oh, no, it's all right. I said, oh, look, no, I'm really sorry. And, and, uh, but it's a, it's a fascinating thing because I felt bad and I thought it was an awful situation, but the teacher was still there with him. And then all of a sudden we got chatting and she goes, oh, you know, no, I won't say his name, but just, you know, oh, so-and-so here. He's actually not a bad kid. Like he's pretty good and he just gets a bit distracted in class. He's not super engaged in class and stuff, but he's a pretty good kid. And, you know, like he's got a great family and, and, you, and you go to church, don't you? He's like, yeah, yeah, I go to church and, and I won't name the church, but it's in Bridgman Downs. And I was just like, oh my gosh, of all kids that I ripped into, he's like the Christian kid in the grade. And, and, uh, but it's a funny thing because we get chatting, right? And all of a sudden, it's God redeems this stuff. And I thought, this is so like God. I felt awful and all this sort of stuff. But then we got chatting and I said, oh, you know, speaking about the school. And uh, I've just had this real passion, this heart to engage in local high schools lately and mobilize young adults into local high schools. The need's extraordinary. And I was chatting to the teacher. Then I got connected with the chaplain while we were there. And I went back and speak to the chaplain. And there, there might be some doors or some opportunities to go into this particular high school to engage uh, with some of these young people that are disengaged with class, which is just insane I thought isn't that typical of God that here I am thinking oh why did I do that and God just redeems it like he literally redeems the whole situation but this is what our God does he takes situations where we just think there's no way that could be turned around like that's just awful it's a terrible situation and he redeems it it's extraordinary this is what our God does now tonight I want to preach from a passage that encompasses this very idea this thing it's found in Jeremiah. Now, this is a passage that for many of you, you'll be so familiar with. It gets quoted very often. For some of you maybe watching online or some of you here, you may have never heard it before. It's an encouraging verse, but it's been, it gets quoted quite often. Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. See, I don't even need to read it. That's how much I know. It's a great verse. It is a great verse. And we quote it and we talk about it. But I thought, you know, we often talk about this verse. Why not preach it? And so tonight we're gonna have a look at this verse a little bit more. And I wanna give you some context though. The verse prior to this, a few verses after this in Jeremiah 29, 11. It's important to understand the context of what's happening here. Why was this verse spoken? Why did Jeremiah write these words and speak this uh, to those in exile? And so this is where we pick up on in Jeremiah 10. We'll go to 10 to 14. It says this, this is what the Lord says. When 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my good promise to bring you back to this place. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back from captivity. I will gather you from all the nations and places where I have banished you, declares the Lord, and I will bring you back to the place from which I carried you into exile. So what's going on here in this passage? Well, to give you some context, basically the people in Jerusalem at this time, they've been caught captive by King Nebuchadnezzar over in Babylon completely different city. And Jeremiah had been warning the people in Jerusalem, people of Judah, he'd been warning them, hey, turn to God, turn to God. The consequences are, if you do not turn to God, you'll be caught captive by this other nation and taken into exile, taken into captivity. So turn to God. And you know what life's like, often we go our own way and there are consequences sometimes to life when we do our own thing and maybe even go against the commands of God. There are consequences, not that God's putting that on us, that that's just the the consequences, try and speak, the consequences of what takes place when we do our own thing and go our own way. And here they've gone their own way, they've decided to do their own thing. And the consequences of this situation is this, they have been caught captive by King Nebuchadnezzar and they've been dragged out of their city. Everything that they know, their nation, their culture, everything that they are, they've been dragged out of this city and taken to a foreign city. 
So you understand the context and the situation that they're facing here. It's like, here we are in Brisbane and we're living our life, doing our thing. We understand our culture, our nation, all these things. We've grown up here. And it's like another nation coming, invading and taking us captive and taking us back to their city and their nation. And we're in this foreign land and we don't know what to do or how to go about it. We're, we're living amongst our enemies that have taught, caught us captive that in, in maybe some situations even hurt or impacted our close friends and neighbours that have been left behind. And we're in this city, it's a foreign land, maybe a foreign language. And we're kind of like, what do we do here? You know, it would have been a a difficult situation to find themselves in. And here God says, this is extraordinary grace and mercy. I cannot believe it. Don't tell me, you cannot say, I've heard it before. You cannot say that it's almost like there's an Old Testament God and a New Testament God. In the Old Testament, it's like fire and brimstone and judgment. But in the New Testament, it's like the grace and mercy of God. No, I see evidence littered throughout the Old Testament of God's grace and of His mercy. And I see it here. The consequences of the people of Judah going their own way is that they've been exiled and caught captive and in Babylon and living in a foreign land. And God could have stood back and God could have said, well, you made your decision. You know what we say in society today and culture today? You made your bed, now you've got to sleep in it. It probably would have been just for God to say that, but God is not like that. His mercy and His grace is extraordinary. And what God says is He says, Jeremiah, write them a letter. And here's what I want you to say. This is what the Lord says. When 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my good promise to bring you back to this place. In other words, I haven't forgotten you. I haven't abandoned you. I am still with you and my grace is still sufficient for you. Now, this is really good news. It's good news because some of you have come tonight and you find yourself in circumstances and situations you you think this could not be redeemed. There's no way, there's no way. And it may have just been just the world that we live in, the sinful world that we live in, that we find ourselves in this, but it may have been because of the decisions that you made, poor decisions that has left you wound up in a situation that is just not good at all. But by God's mercy and His grace, the Word of God says that if we are willing to surrender and trust Him, He can redeem a situation that we couldn't do in our own strength. This is His mercy and His grace. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not gonna stand here and promise to you that if you surrender your heart to God, that tomorrow everything will be fixed up and restored and redeemed. It doesn't imply that. But what it does imply is that God is a redeeming God and that He can restore, that He can heal, that He can redeem situations. And I don't know the time on that. For them, it was 70 years. 70 years, He said, you will have to live in that state. But notice that He says, I do have a plan in this though. I will work in this situation. I will work in this situation, but I will redeem you. I haven't forgotten you. I haven't left you behind. I haven't left you behind. It's extraordinary. And some of you come tonight and I just know beyond I know that some of you are in a situation that you feel like there's no way God could turn this around. I know it because you live in the world in which we live in and stuff happens and hardship takes place. And some of you have come with a broken relationship and you feel like, I don't know how this could possibly be healed or restored. Some of you come where there's a marriage that is on the rocks and you think, how could this marriage be restored? Some of you watching online, some of you come where your, your kids, there's a, there's a situation there where your kids don't wanna talk to you and there's a breakdown in relationship with your kids. Some of you come tonight and there's financial issues there. You made a poor investment. And, and there's, there's some investment issues there, a, a business that isn't going real well. There's something there or an addiction that you're struggling with and you think there's no way, there is no way this could be turned around. But this is who God is. He's a redeeming God. He takes our mess from the past and He turns it into a trophy of His grace. This is who He is. And you can trust Him. Some of you come very broken tonight and you've got nothing left. Tonight is your opportunity to surrender to Him and give God a go. Give Him a go of your life and see what He can do in your life. Tonight is your opportunity because He is a God that redeems. 
I know I've shared this before in Switch, so I apologise for those who've heard and Switch leaders. I'm not sure if I've shared it in a night service. I may have even shared it in a morning service. I can't remember. Maybe I'll just share it briefly. But a few years ago during schoolies, as we were serving down there, as we were serving, we get a phone call through to the, uh, the hotline number. <clears throat> and uh, it was just a friend concerned about another friend. And as we got this call, we thought we should go check it out, just check up on what's going on. And it was about 3 a.m. in the morning, myself and a couple of friends, we'd go to this particular hotel that we were uh, told that the friend was at. It was, uh, we, we didn't know the exact number of the room, but we go to the hotel, we go up to the 36th floor, pretty high up, 36th floor, and we come out of the elevator, we're told to turn left, and it's like one of the doors on your right there. So we turn left and we knock on one of these doors, hoping it's not a resident of this particular uh, uh, building. As we knock on the door, this schoolie kind of appeared, oh, sorry, didn't answer initially. So we knocked, waited, knocked, thinking, oh, I hope this isn't a resident. This is awful, 3 a.m. in the morning. We were standing there for a little bit. Eventually, a schoolie kind of peers out. And we see the schoolie say, hey, we just had a phone call through that a friend was concerned about another friend. Is this the right apartment? He goes, oh, no, I don't know anything about it. It's pitch black in his apartment. We realised we'd woken him up thinking, oh, no. So he closes the door and we think, we can't just keep knocking on all these doors, right, on this, on this level. <clears throat> so we're standing there uh, for a little bit and then eventually the door reopens and it's that same schoolie and he peers out and he goes, oh, guys, I think you better come in. And so we walk in, it's probably one of the scariest scenes I've ever seen. As we walk in, it's pitch black in this apartment, everyone's asleep. And as I walk in, there's like those glass sliding doors that go out onto the balcony area and it's all closed and locked up. But as I walk in, I look out the glass doors, here is this young guy laying on the railing of the balcony, half his body over the edge, half his body on the inside, uh, contemplating going over. And he's sort of laying across it. And as he's laying across it, he turns his head to look uh, at us as we enter into the room. And I remember, you know, you know how you've, you may have prayed those prayers before, it's just like one word prayers or two word prayers, you know, God or three word prayers, God help me, like God help us. And, and I remember in my head in that moment, just saying that prayer, but there's so much more depth and meaning to what, you know, there's so much more to it. But in that time, you're just saying, God help us, God help us, God help us, God help us. And my, the, the, my mates, they turn to me and say, what, you know, what do we do, what do we do? I said, let's move swiftly, but calmly. And we make our way to the door. We still need to unlock it and open the door. And he's laying there on the balcony. And, and I remember just thinking, God, I don't know how I will cope if this doesn't go well here. Like, how will I process this? What will it look like? And as we open up the door, he's still laying. He's staring at us, you know, contemplating what he's gonna do. We nearly get to him. And as we nearly get to him, he falls, but on the inside onto the balcony, luckily. Falls onto the balcony, we race over to him and say, we're here for you, we wanna help you, we wanna get you inside. And he says, leave me alone, my life is stuffed. Leave me alone, my life is stuffed. We look over, he smells of Jim Beam. He's drunk in a whole bottle of Jim Beam alone on the balcony there. He says, my life is stuffed. I've stuffed grade 12, I've stuffed everything. Just leave me alone, my life is stuffed. We say, your life's not stuffed, we wanna get you inside. As he goes, eventually we talk him into it. Eventually he goes, okay, okay, just, just let me up and I'll go inside. As he stands up, he runs over to the balcony to attempt to jump, but this time we're able to reach him. We grab him and we pull him back down and we say, we, will not, we can't let go of you now. We need to get you inside. We get him inside, close the doors and ambulance arrive and police arrive and they take him to the Gold Coast Hospital. It's a situation where maybe, uh, you know, maybe tonight you feel like, or there's been a situation where you feel like my, my life is stuffed. Just, just leave me alone. My life is stuffed. You know, I, there's no way that this could be turned around or redeemed. But this is what God does. And in some respect, I wish I didn't get a chance to, but I wish I had an opportunity to say to this young guy, are you kidding me? Your life is not stuffed. There's a God that can turn this around. I've seen it, I've heard about it. Time and time again, baptism after baptism, after testimony after testimony of people declaring about a God that is able to redeem and turn lives around. This is what He does. And for many of you, you could get up and share your story and share about how God has done that in your life. This is what He does. A God who redeems, a God who restores. And in the context of these people from Judah, from Jerusalem over and caught captive in Babylon, here they are in dire straits saying, what do we do? You know, we deserve this. We turned our back on God and we went our own way. We deserve to live in this state of hell here. And God out of His mercy, it's a picture of our life actually. We deserve hell. But God out of His mercy 
And God out of his grace says, this is what the Lord says. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. The context of what Jesus, what God says through Jeremiah to these people says, hey, I know it seems like this is all over, but I've got some plans for you. They're plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. And like I said, I'm not gonna stand here and say that tomorrow, whatever situation you're in and, and, and circumstance you find yourself in, that he's gonna redeem it tomorrow or this week, or maybe not even this year. But what I do know is that he is able And what I do know that it even says he's got a plan for you. So maybe even in the midst of what you're going through, he's working, he's doing something, I know that. All of us have been through some difficult circumstances. I think of my apprenticeship and the difficulties there. And and yes, I prayed every day, God, get me out of this situation. But he said, I want you to stay. And hindsight's an amazing thing because as I look back and reflect, I think that was the best thing that ever happened to me that four years. And in the same way, he's doing something, but he can redeem it. He does, this is what he does. He redeem, he's a redeeming God, a redeeming God. When, uh, you know, occasionally we might holiday up the coast and uh, we go to, we call it like our holiday church and they still text us all the time. Hey, this Sunday, don't have the heart to tell them, oh, look, don't text us every week, you know, like we'll be there next summer or whatever. But we have this church, we call it like our holiday church. And we've got you know, a few different friends there and there's just a couple that, it's just an extraordinary story. I was reminded of this, extraordinary story of the, the redemption in a marriage. It's amazing. Here's this couple, won't go into details, I won't name names, but uh, we were up there, I think a year ago, a year and a half ago, and we just caught up with, with a friend and, and uh, my wife Raquel grew up with this particular guy and he just started to share. We went to his coffee shop, sorry, he's got a coffee shop as well. We went to his coffee shop and we got a coffee and we just got chatting. And uh, as he began to share a little bit, he just shared about, oh, look, my wife and I, we're not living together anymore at the moment. And, um, but he said, it, it's actually a remarkable story. And he just began to share with us about how the marriage was breaking down. They've got a little daughter as well. The marriage is breaking down. All this stuff was going on in their lives and even kind of turning away from God in the midst of all of this. And, and uh, they pretty much separated. And it's just, it just was just going nowhere. It was just disastrous, just falling apart. And you know, some of you come tonight, you may be in that situation or you may know of somebody in that situation. And he said, you know, but it was an interesting thing because someone came to me and said, you know, you should go and see this couple. They've got like a ministry. It's like an intercessory prayer ministry and prophetic ministry. You should go and just speak to this couple. They just do it for free. They feel it's their call and their ministry and they just meet with people and they pray for them. And and, uh, and so he just took it up and he said, all right, you know, what have I got to lose? And he went and saw this couple. And when he sat down, he just rang them and he just kind of booked in a time to meet with them. And they said, we don't want you to tell us anything. They said, we're just, we're just booking a time, come and see us. We're gonna intercede and we're gonna pray. And so they did that two weeks later, he goes and meets up with them and they pretty much prayed and they spent some time with him and they started to talk about things in his life. They started to break down things that he thought no one could have known this stuff. And they prophetically began to speak over his life and they, they just brought up stuff and they began to pray over him and all this stuff just was brought up and God just began to do a healing work in his own heart and in his life. Extraordinary work. And he came really surrendered. He came back to God in such a powerful way. It just so happened he had been speaking to his wife, even though he'd been separated, he was speaking to his wife and said, you should maybe just go and see this couple. And she took up the offering in exactly the same way she went and saw this couple and they began to pray and intercede and they prayed over her and they spoke into her life and they brought up things that she's told nobody before. It was quite extraordinary. And as she sat and she wept, God began to do a healing work in her life as well. And then he began to talk about how God is healing this marriage. And last time we're up there, here they are. God has restored and redeemed this marriage in extraordinary ways. Here they are at church together, reunited again, healed, uh, giving, um, she's pregnant with their second child. An extraordinary redemption story. You don't hear that much in the world today. If you're unhappy, just leave, get divorced. That's kind of the culture that we grow up in. But God says, no, I can redeem it. I can restore and heal and redeem marriages. And some of you come and you may know somebody will intercede and pray because God is a redeeming God. This is what He does. I love the story. Again, one of my heroes in the faith, Hudson Taylor. He had a hundred people that he prayed for. 
100 people that he prayed for every single day. 100 people he'd pray for and pray for and pray for. Now the story goes that near the end of his life, there were 96 people that had come to faith and four that hadn't. And he prayed and interceded every single day. And the story goes that Hudson Taylor passed away and there were only four out of the hundred that he prayed for every day that hadn't come to faith. I don't know how he would have felt, but I wonder if he thought, oh God, what happened there? Like four to go. And at the funeral, at Hudson Taylor's funeral, I don't know what happened, but maybe a gospel presentation was preached. But the last four people that he prayed for all come to faith at his funeral. Extraordinary story. The power of prayer, the power of the fact that God can redeem and restore and bring people to himself, it's amazing. Nathan shared this story this morning and I thought it was appropriate to share it also. Again, just the work, the way that God works in and through people's lives when all seems lost, when it all seems like, God, where are you in the midst of this? This story of a man by the name of Adoniram Judson. He was a missionary to Burma where he established 63 churches and personally led over 6,000 Burmese to faith in Christ. But it wasn't easy. He was 22 when he made the decision to leave America to become a missionary. He set sail for India. But when he and his pregnant wife arrived, they wouldn't let him in. For three weeks, the two of them were stuck at sea. His wife gave birth on the boat in the middle of a storm and the baby died. They did get to the shore and for the first six and a half years, he shared the gospel every day. Not one person in Burma came to faith. Financial supporters in America backed away and told him it was time to come home. He was scattering the seeds faithfully, even sacrificially, yet God would bring no harvest. He kept, he kept perspective, kept praying, kept preaching. Judson was eventually put in prison for that preaching. He would be chained so that his back, shoulders and head were on the ground and his legs would be held high off the ground in stocks. For a period of several years, he was in that position. He slept, ate and used the restroom in that position. His wife and three children would die in Burma. His second wife and their two children would also die in Burma. Time and time again, he could have felt sorry for himself and quit and given up. It was anything but easy and he could have decided to quit. There were any number of easy careers back home, but he loved Jesus and was certain of his calling. And today there are some 3,700 churches, that's churches, not people, 3,700 churches in Burma that trace their beginning to the day Adoniram Judson set sail for America. An extraordinary story. But when you read of the early beginnings, you think, where are you God in the midst of this? But here, the God of the universe, redeeming, redeeming, redeeming. This is what He does. And like I said, for some of you, you come tonight and there's a situation and a circumstance, you think there's no way. There's just no way this could be turned around. You're addicted to something. You're in some sort of relationship that's not healthy. You've made a financial decision that does not look good and you don't know how to get out. You don't know how this is all, you know, how, you could, how this could change. And maybe, you know what? Maybe the enemy's even got in your ear and he said, you'll never get out of that. You'll never change. You'll never feel better. You'll never be restored. You'll never be healed from that. It is a lie from the pit of hell. God is a redeeming God. He's a redeeming God. This is what He does. This is what He can do in your life. For one of you, maybe two, maybe a few, maybe several, you've never surrendered your heart to Christ. You've never surrendered your life to Him. And He's been on your case and He said, surrender to me. You know things haven't gone well. You know things aren't panning out the way you, the way you thought. You know, you never grew up thinking, this is how my life's gonna get. You never thought you'd be in this situation. Well, tonight, now is your opportunity to surrender. Watch what I can do in and through your life. I can redeem it. I can redeem it. This is what God does. And so God says, I know the plans I have for you. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. And he says, if you surrender, then you'll call on me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. It's a promise. I will be found by you, declares the Lord. 
I will bring you back from captivity. I will gather you from all the nations and places where I have banished you, declares the Lord. And will bring you back to the place in which I carried you into exile. It's an extraordinary promise from God. It's, a, it's a, an example of God saying, hey, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. I love that. I don't know why, I just love it. Have you ever felt lonely? Have you ever felt like you could never be loved? Are you kidding? The creator of the universe is with you always. He says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. That the creator of the universe is mad about you. He loves you so much. It's awesome. It's extraordinary. I love what Catherine Marshall says. God is the only one who can make the valley of trouble a door of hope. And this is what he can do in and through your life. I was gonna go to a video and maybe I'll just share this one little thing. I wasn't sure if I was gonna share it, but I just will. Um, because it's an extraordinary thing, just the way that God changes us. And it's a little bit personal to me, but you know, there's been an area in my own life where um, it's been, I know it's been a weakness in my life and it's an area that Satan sometimes gets a hold of to just steer me away from God. And I've struggled with it for years, you know, and, and, but God's been doing a work in my heart and in my life. And over the, particularly in the past year and God's just been working in my life. And, and like a few, a few weeks ago, I felt like God, oh, I should just tell you, I don't really want to, but anyway, I'll just tell you, basically the, the area of weakness for me is like finances and things like that. And, and, it, and it seems like you could, I could easily justify, oh no, but it's good to be like secure and set yourself up and things like this. But when, but when, when you, uh, but it's easy for things in life to become a God. And I just felt like, you know, that's an area for me where Satan can get in and say, oh no, but you just need to invest this and do this. And I grew up in a non-Christian home. I grew up in a home where, you know, my dad invested in, in, in shares and property and all this sort of stuff. And I also grew up in a, where I thought, unless, you know, unless you were uh, made heaps of money and became successful or whatever, then you were, you know, that, that's what made you a somebody. So this is, kind of, this is kind of what I grew up in. And so for me though, I've always had this, it's just been a weakness for me where Satan just get in and I get distracted sometimes by, uh, by finances and investing and all this sort of stuff. But it's been amazing how God's began to work in my heart. If you're open to it, he'll work in your heart. And a few weeks ago, and so what he, the interesting thing is, is if you wanna change and grow, you gotta do the complete opposite. If you feel like money is a, is a God to you, then you gotta be generous. That's how you overcome it. You just be generous. You, you be generous and you ask God, help me in this. And so for a while, he's been put, calling me to, to, give, to give away, you know, sacrificially and to give. And, and I've, I've got a long way to go. Don't get me wrong. I'm not, this feels awkward in some respect, but anyway, I'm just saying what I feel like I need to share. Anyway, so last week, God put something on my heart again to give away a significant amount of money. And I'm just not being honest with you. Last week, three times I said to God, I said, God, I'm not doing it. <laughs> like that's the reality. It's too much, it's too ridiculous. That I just can't, I don't wanna do it. I just don't wanna do it. And, and besides, it's not even that I don't wanna do it. I, I, could, I could, literally could not do it. That's, that's it. I, could, I just couldn't do it. But on the third occasion last week, when I said to God, I just simply couldn't do it. Like I can't do it. There's no way I can do it. I said, okay, God, but I'll pray about it, you know? And so I said, all right, God, well, you're gonna need to help me. Like you would have to do a miracle in my life to give that sum of money away. You, you would have to do a miracle. And, and I left it at that. And I don't know what's happened, but, but in the last, I haven't done it yet, but I'm just, just being honest, just being honest. And, but over the last few days, this week, last night, last night I was sitting there and I said to my wife, I said to Raquel, I said, look, I'm just gonna come out and say this. I said, I feel like last week, God wanted us to give away, you know, this significant amount of money. And uh, she's kind of smiling because one of the things that really attracted me to her, to be honest, is her generosity. So this for her is like, oh yeah, like she's kind of intrigued, you know, praise the, praise the Lord. And I said, I feel like it's this sum of money. And she's like, oh really? And, and I said, but I told God last week, I'm not doing it. Like that's, I'm not doing it. She's like, okay. But I said, something's happened. I don't know what, but something's happened and I feel like we need to do this. And I said, I don't know what's happened, but I feel somewhat excited about it. Now, I feel awkward saying this, but I just, I just feel like this is what God does. 
How does this happen within a week? This is what he does. One week he can be thinking, there's no way that this could happen. There's no way you could do this in my heart. And then a week later, it's flipped. It's radically flipped. I don't know how that happens, but this is what he does. He's a redeeming God. So the reason I say it is this, I think this is why I was meant to say it, is because there's something in your heart that says, I couldn't do that. It's not physically possible. I couldn't change in that area. You don't know that until you surrender it to the Creator, until you surrender it to the redeeming God. You don't have to do it. He'll do it. He'll do it in you. But you've got to surrender and say, all right, God. Okay, okay, God, I'm, I'm willing to give this a go. I'm willing to surrender it to you. And He'll redeem whatever it is in your heart, whatever you need to let go of, whatever you need to surrender. He'll do it in you because He's a redeeming God. It's, it's amazing. Why wouldn't you want to serve this God? He's extraordinary. He's awesome. He's a great dad. He's a great father. I came across this video. I'm just going to play this video just a few minutes long. I came across this video on one of the Alpha videos. So some of you may have seen it, but it was so powerful and it encapsulates the way that God redeems and restores a person's life. Uh, it's so powerful, this video. Watch this video. I got in with the wrong crowd and I started to um, pinch cars, burgle houses, uh, become known, me and my friends become known as very high profile thieves really. I used to carry big knives, uh, the, the big knives to the smaller knives down my waist and I was the kind of person where if you pulled a knife out, I would use it. I ended up stabbing someone in the head. I ended up um, Stabbing someone, just missing his heart, and going through the top of his shoulder, uh, the, the top of his chest and his shoulder. Where he dropped to the floor, and so I was on the run for two attempted murders. And then I was just, when I went to prison, I had such a hatred for the system, and I couldn't handle being told what to do. Couldn't handle prison officers mucking me about. When I went out on association, I got the prison officer and I, uh, I stabbed them. And then this led to me going into maximum security prisons, being put on CSC where they feed you through a hatch in the door. There's no physical contact, so they have to have riot shields and riot gear on. Um, and that was my life for a long, long time, basically. And I, I just was going from prison to prison, prison to prison. But then I ended up going to Long Larton in Worcestershire. And when I was in there, I ended up going in an alpha course. Never heard of an alpha course, didn't know anything. And I just remember walking in because they'd sent me down. I sat down on a chair. And I thought, oh no, it's a Christian thing. And we'd just go there every week and I would argue. And the pastor, um, I remember he come to me. He said, right, I'm gonna say a few scriptures first before we pray. And one of them was, no one's righteous, not one. We all fall short of the glory of God. And then he said the verses about Jesus and explained a bit why he died on the cross for sinners and stuff. And then he said, pray. So I started praying and I said, uh, God, I said, God, if you're real, come into my life because I hate who I am. And nothing happened. But then as I was talking to the pastor, I started to feel this energy feeling in my stomach and it started to raise up and raise up and raise up and raise up. And I just broke out into uncontrollable um, tears. And I just sobbed, <clears throat> and I just, right there. Because that was a change in my whole life. I knew God was real, um, and no one will change that now. And then I remember <laughs> running on the wing. People clearly knew that I would become a Christian. So I actually helped them on another two Alpha courses. And then I, I, um, I got released. I've been in a prison where I... Because you would have thought that the prison where I stopped the prison officers would have been the last prison to have me. But they were the first. That's how good works. The best thing for me is going in prisons and helping the lads in prison and, and trying to tell them about God. I've got five kids and then my life. Um, and what upsets me is because now I know um, that back then, if I had the kids, uh, they wouldn't have had a good upbringing. And now they sit on the night and 
have Bible studies with her dad. Um, <clears throat> have Bible studies with her dad. Have a life, a beautiful, um, and my life. And this probably is my wife and my kids are the best gift, that, apart from the grace God's given me, is the best gift I've ever, he'll ever give me. Um, didn't expect to cry like that. Recovered now. It's an amazing testimony. This is exactly what God does in people's lives. I mean, what a story. You might look at that situation and go, there's no way God could redeem and restore a life like that. Too far gone. And yet this is what God does. And I don't know what you come for. Or you're here tonight. There's something in you. There's something that says there's no way this situation can be redeemed. You don't know that. Until you surrender to the King of the universe, He can do anything. Nothing is impossible for God. Nothing is impossible for Him. Let's pray together. Actually, jump up on your feet. Let's jump up on your feet and we'll pray. Father God, I'm just conscious um, that there's, it, it may just be one, but there's someone here tonight that, I don't know, it's almost like they've been fighting against you and fighting against this whole thing. And they, they know deep down in their heart that they need to surrender and hand over their lives to you and say, okay, God, do what you will. I need this situation to be redeemed. And maybe you're here tonight, maybe you're watching online. Maybe you don't even know why you're here. You don't even know why you're watching, but something's drawn you in and Maybe something in your heart says, this was for me, this was for me. If that's you tonight, it's, it's not my words, it's God knocking on the door of your heart saying, just give me a chance, surrender. Let me show you what I can do in and through your life. If that's you tonight, I wanna just give you an opportunity just to pray really a simple prayer and just say, God, I need you. In your head and in your heart, you can pray that now, just May we repeat these words after me. God, forgive me for the way I've lived. Forgive me for going my own way. Forgive me for doing it in my own strength. I need you in my life. And I want you to be Lord and Saviour of my life right now. Redeem it. Restore it, heal it. I need you, God. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you for rising again. Thank you for filling me with your Holy Spirit. Come and change me. I wanna follow you from this moment right now. In Jesus' Name, Amen. And Father, I just thank You because I know, beyond I know, You've spoken to some here tonight. They've come with some stuff in their heart they didn't even realise, but it's been brought up even in the service. Just some stuff in their heart that they've been wanting to deal with, but they don't know how to overcome or move forward. And You've told them tonight, just surrender it to me, I can redeem it. And I thank You for that. I pray for that person who's been told a lie from the enemy that said, no, no, this cannot be fixed. It cannot be restored. It cannot be healed. Thank You, great God, that it's a lie. And thank You that You can restore it and redeem it. And thank You, that word of encouragement for them tonight. And I thank You in advance, great God, by faith for the testimonies of people that are gonna share about what you've done in and through their lives or what you've done in and through family members, friends, workmates, neighbourhoods, great God, that what you've done in and through people's lives, you're redeeming God. And why wouldn't we wanna worship you tonight? Why wouldn't we wanna praise you tonight? Because this is what you do. And so we pray, great God, and we thank you in advance for what you're gonna do in our lives and the lives of others. We love you and we worship you now in Jesus' mighty and precious name, amen. There is a sound I love to hear 
It's the sound of the Savior's robe as he walks into the room where people pray, where we hear praises he is. The Savior's robe as he walks into the room where people pray, where we hear worship, he is
It's a great encouragement for us tonight. And uh, the thing, the thing that I, I really want you to hear tonight is, uh, is when we call on God to come and redeem, yes, He redeems the situation, but, but the key is that we find Him as Redeemer. That's what we find. We find Him. He is the treasure. And so I want to encourage you tonight, if, if your life, there's an ache in your life, how small or how big it might be, maybe tonight you are really doing it tough. There, there's, there's deep grief and deep, deep pain in your heart. I just want to encourage you, don't, uh, don't miss this opportunity. All you need to do is just turn to someone and say, hey, uh, would you pray with me? Would you come before me, uh, uh, come with me before the living God and, and ask Him? to come and reveal Himself in this situation. He is. This is what He wants to do. He's not unwilling, as we've heard tonight. And so I just want to encourage you, whoever you are, wherever you are, you don't have to come down the front. Just turn to the person next to you and say, hey, there's this situation. Can we pray together? And uh, your prayer will be heard by the living God. He is Redeemer. He is Deliverer. This is what He's working to. And uh, the, the last thing I just wanted to say, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. And so if, you're, if you have been seeking him, but you haven't found him yet, keep going and give him all of your heart. The things that you haven't given him yet, give him those things and you will find him. God bless you. Great to have you with us here tonight. Head to the Connections Lounge if you're new. And there's a food truck. Go in, go in God, God's strength this week. God bless you.